0: From his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan
1: Tortora. Where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora.
0: Welcome here to the Wildcat Sports Club. 3680 Milton Avenue we are here with Daywan Coleman on my right and on my left Dale Shackelford, myself Dan Tortora. I like to call the show Triple D. I think that's fair enough to do that so we are here Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora live on location and we appreciate you being here, Dale, with the beginning of Jim Beheim's time at Syracuse. Daywan Coleman coming off of his time at Syracuse with JB and we're happy to be here with you tonight at the Wildcat and first and foremost I'm going to go to uh, to Dale and just your your fondest memory. You and I have spoken about this a lot, but to the people you know listening in, just what you could say about your memories of Syracuse and what sticks out the most
2: for you. Well, I mean, Syracuse is just like a home away from home. I mean, I'm from Utica, New York, just down the road, and um, you know, just the, the fans, the players, the students. Uh, you know, everybody's just so great, and you know, it's just like a big family atmosphere here. And the same for you, Day One. I mean, Dale wasn't that far
0: away, you were right down the street at Jamesville DeWitt, so when you look back at Syracuse and, and those memories that you had, there was some adversity, some tough times to that, but what do you take away the most? The thing I take away the most is, you know, the, the family
1: atmosphere, the fans, the campus, it's a beautiful campus. And I'm from Syracuse, so I, I always wanted to play home home at Syracuse, so I, so my my family and my
0: friends could see me play, and
1: I think that was the biggest thing for me.
0: And but when you look at kind of the adversity that you had to go through with injury and whatnot. You know, what what, what did you take away from that? Because a lot of people from the outside looking in, you know, there's always opinions on what the injury is, how long it's supposed to take, what's going on, why isn't he out there. You went through it, you lived it. Yeah. What can you say about going through that injury?
1: Uh, definitely going through a few uh, knee injuries in college. It's, it's tough, you know, to bounce back and making sure you're ready for the next year that's coming up. But overall, you always have to have a positive mindset. You never want to quit. You know, you, you always want to give everything you got. And you always want to make the best out of the situation. And I think that's what I did with finishing up the school. And I think I finished out strong.
0: And, and, and Dale, in the, in the respect of being a former big man for Syracuse as well, <clears throat> when we speak on the brotherhood and that this is a school where no matter what the decade is or how much time has passed in between, everybody's part of the family. So when you see somebody like Daywan go through the injuries, fight to battle back, and then have to go through it again, just, just what you can say as, as a member of the Brotherhood of Syracuse's history and how you feel for a player
2: as a former big man for Syracuse. Well, You always wish the best for everybody, and it's a tough situation when somebody gets injured, knowing that they really want to play and knowing that they can be an asset to the team. Uh, you know, We all feel it. I mean, I'd never want to see a player that uh, you know, has the ability to help a team out that uh, physically can't do it, uh, mentally wants to do it, emotionally he's got his heart in, in the game and he just can't do it. So, I mean, we all feel that and we all wish you know, the, the best for everybody. We all wish that uh, you know, you're going to put your best five out there and everybody's going to be able to stay healthy. Uh, unfortunate, uh, you know, for some, you know, you do run into injuries and, and things like that. And, um, you know, you just got to, as, as want said, uh, you just got to keep fighting and keep staying positive and, you know, keep hoping that, you know, there's going to be a better day. And,
0: and Daywan, when you look back at at the injury, I mean, to, to those that still don't know the, the full extent or, or what went on, describe kind of what happened to you and, and, and why it was kind of the injury that would go away and then seemingly come back?
1: Well, at first it was my meniscus. Then my first year, my freshman year, it was my meniscus. Then leading up to my sophomore year, I think it was just more wear and tear. And uh, that led to the OST procedure. So and that was my cartilage. And it was just an uphill battle from there.
0: When when you went through that, I mean, you still had the opportunity to know what it feels like to go to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And you got to go through that and experience that. I think your healthiest season was the last Final Four. Would you attest to that? Would you say that's when you felt the best out there? Yes,
1: that was, that was my healthiest season. So
0: bring me into that. Bring me back to 2016 and making that trip all the way to Houston and having not only a season where you had an effect mm-hmm. on the court in a positive way, offensively and defensively, but... I mean, the last time that Syracuse had you full go was the Final Four, just what that season was like. Oh, that was great. Uh, prior
1: to the season, the Final Four season, I was out for two years, so basically I was pre- just preparing myself mentally and physically just to, you know, get out there and get back to my old ways and have a good season, and it actually worked out. I worked, I worked so hard to get back there we made it to the Final Four. I think I played a, a good role on that team and it was it was a good feeling just to be back out there for the first time again and make it to the final four it was it was worth the wait
0: what was the role when you say you felt like you played a good role on the team mm-hmm. how would you describe your role back in 2016's trip to the final four
1: uh, i definitely needed to come in and just be a leader out there with uh mike and trevor we, we had a couple young guys coming in you know i just wanted to Set, you know set the tone uh and just show the younger guys whatever whatever how how long the season will be and uh, uh,
0: I can, uh I mean, was it was it was it leadership was it? i mean yeah, it was more like when you look at being a, a vet in that respect I mean even though you hadn't been there for two years did you feel like you could be that veteran and, yeah. and have that voice, so to speak. Well, like,
1: what I was trying to say, you know, coming back from being out for two years, it was kind of hard for me to just get back and get back into the role of things. So I really had to show my leadership by example. And I just wanted to uh, to show the younger guys how
0: anything, anything, you could get through anything. Um, as long as you just keep working hard, you could get through anything. And Dallin, you said, when we talk about playing a role, you played all five positions at Syracuse. you has asked to be a point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and a center. It's, it's atypical for a big man in America to bring the ball up and down the floor. Just speak to when you were
2: needed, wherever you were needed, however you were needed, that you answer the call. Well, it just comes from, uh, you know, being a kid playing in the park and, uh, you know, growing up in a situation where, uh, you know, I, I wasn't born 6'5", so I, I had to start somewhere. And, uh, you know, as a, at a young age, you know, I held the ball a little bit. Uh, my um, coaches that I had uh, in the community leagues and uh, elementary school and stuff, you know, gave me the opportunity to play in different positions. Uh, to what the team needed, and high school was the same way. And fortunately, uh, at Syracuse, uh, you know I'm a firm believer. Um, if you're on a team, and you, you know, it doesn't matter where you play as long as you play. Nobody wants to sit the bench. And uh, it's very important for all players to understand that uh, you know you have to make sure you understand every aspect of the game, and not say that you're just a one-dimensional player. That you're very, you can be versatile just because you just want to be on the floor to play. Did you
0: ever have a time where, because I know you played a lot and played at all different positions like we were speaking about, but did you have that time where you had to sit and wait your turn or... That you did something that you can remember back on. Her Beheim said, "Go sit there
2: for a minute." And you had to think about it. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer. Uh, you know, I'm going I'm to fight for playing time every day. And you know, the guys that I'm going up against, it doesn't matter to me if you're an upperclassman or you're incoming freshman. Uh, you're going to have a battle on your hands day in and day out. So, uh, you know, the bottom line is, uh, you know, you got to be competitive all the time. You got to be ready to play all the time. And you just have to, uh, you know, roll with the punches and hopefully. Uh, you know, with us you know, it makes the team a lot stronger. Speaking here
0: with Dale Shackleford and Daywan Coleman, myself Dan Satora, Wake of Call with Dan Satora, live on location at the Wildcat Sports Pub. Daewon, when you look back to your playing time, some was dictated by injury, obviously, those two years were, but when you had those moments, when you see that eye from Jim Beheim and that finger come over here and sit down here and let's talk about it, how did you handle that as a player, because we've seen through history some guys have handled it very well some guys have taken that you know whether it's yelling or or whether it's a calm conversation some people have have taken the tough love of jim Beheim and gotten better Mm -hmm. and other people kind of shut down when they hear it how do you feel you took those moments i think i took them uh moments
1: very good you know you got to understand he is a hall of family so whenever whenever he's
0: trying to give you advice it's, it's for the right reason so you, you just got to take that and move along when, the, when he's giving you that did it take some time to get used to how he speaks to you or how he handles it in a game when you see his energy and his tenacity do you respond in your opinion did you respond to it well right away or was it a learning curve I think I responded right away. Uh, whatever, whatever he needed his players to do, you know,
1: I think me and all my teammates really uh, responded in, in a good manner, and he's ready to go out there and uh, work.
0: When we look back on Syracuse teams, Dale, I want to go back to your time at Syracuse because you know you were part of that beginning for Jim Beheim. Essentially, I jokingly say that that you're. You know, that first era of the victories are the ones that the NCAA pretends like didn't happen. Just take those 100 away or 101 or whatever that may be. And we're going to discuss in a minute the wins and the losses that were taken away, but to look back on your time there and, and the opportunities that you had at Syracuse, how would you describe that time? Because, you know, Day One's team in the here and now, people have seen it. You know, they've seen 2016's Final Four, they've seen those moments. To go back to your time what are some of those moments that stuck out to you and were there adverse moments because on paper it doesn't it doesn't seem like there was many
2: well there's always some adverse moments and everything I mean, we had a strong nucleus of guys uh, you know, you see roosevelt's here right now and that's one of the reasons why yeah, i Roosevelt, booty uh, house. went from center to small forward so yeah. i was glad to have him come in but uh, you know we had a bunch of guys that We we all weren't high school all Americans. We were a bunch of upstate New York guys that uh, you know we didn't have a chip on our shoulders. We just said hey, you know any one of us can go out and score 20 points in a game if we all play good defense together. We're capable of winning games, and you know that's that's the mentality we had. Uh, You know we were we were you know blue collar players. You know we go out there and we fight. We work hard. Um, You know, it's kind of strange because Roosevelt and I laugh at this a lot, uh, you know, these guys play, they get 75 points, they get free tacos, and we had to score 100 points to get free french fries. So, uh, you know, times have changed, uh, you know, the the athletes have changed, and it's just, uh, you know, the motivation that we had, and to say that, you know, we're going to represent, you know, ourselves from, you know, upstate New York where, you know, nobody thinks that basketball is any good, that all basketball comes from New York City and beyond. And, uh, you know, we were out to prove everybody wrong. And,
0: uh, and I, I, th- I find it interesting, too, that, a, like you said, it's 100 points to get free french fries. Then it was 75 for a taco. Now it's 70 to get to the taco. So, I mean that, and that changed while you were there. It changed a little bit. So, you know, when, when you look at the fight that you had, and like you said, upstate New York, it was about proving something. It was about proving that there was talent. When you look back at, at some of Syracuse's greatest moments in history in basketball and football, It was about the Elmira New Yorks, the Rochester's, the Utica's. It was about those Syracuse right in the backyard. How much pride does that create in you to look back on that? And day one, we're going to speak on that because you're a minority, so to speak, in that sense now. But when you had players coming, and like I said, from basketball to football, you guys are all coming from upstate New York and enjoying these opportunities at Syracuse and making those first moments from Jim Beheim really special just what you can say about representing and well representing
2: upstate New York back in the day well I mean, it's a great opportunity uh, you know we had a lot of great players uh, you know from the upstate New York and uh, you know it's, it's a point of playing well to get an understanding that it doesn't matter who scores or who does what as long as you know we do what we have to do as a team and to you know to reiterate on the you know the scoring situation I mean the, the times have changed Uh, When I played basketball, you know, we had scorers. And everybody, anybody could score. Now everybody wants to be a shooter. And there's a big difference. And if you're not shooting a great percentage from the field, uh, with jump shots and that, you're going to struggle. And you know we had guys that you know we could run to the we can get to the basket. Uh, you know we, we we didn't have a three point line, so uh, there was opportunities there when we we pressed a lot. We had a lot of steals. Um, you know, and as I said before, you know there's a difference in being a shooter and there's a difference in being a scorer. And you know today's game is a lot of shooters. And you know years ago, uh, you know there was a lot of scorers.
0: And to keep with Upstate New York to flash forward it and, and be where you were at day one when you had a decision to make a few years back. Here you are at Jamesville, DeWitt. You're a stone's throw from the Carrier Dome. You can essentially ride a bike and you're at the practice facility. What did it mean to you to to bring that back? Because you had Tyler Cavanaugh with you and, and he decided to go elsewhere. Yeah. To stay home, what what did it mean to you to, to be here when back when Dale was playing, it was about multiple cities in upstate New York, where with you, it, in your case, it was you were the minority of it all. It was If you stay here, it was not something that people had gotten used to in the recent history.
1: I believe uh, my love for Syracuse is just uh, when I was growing up, I always watched the Syracuse basketball games on TV. And uh, always followed the ex players that play here at uh, Syracuse. Uh, just following the whole national championship and everything. And I always dreamed about playing here for Syracuse. And I think once it was time for me to pick a college, I think that was an easy choice for me because I hated it. like I admire everybody uh, that went to Syracuse. Carmelo, even even from the coaching staff. I, I always felt like I could I could be a big part of Syracuse. And I think I picked the right choice.
0: Planned. When Kavanaugh went elsewhere, was that tough for you to be his teammate and know that you were going to be rep in Central New York still and he was going to, you know, obviously rep his home elsewhere? Uh, not really, because I feel like he picked the right choice for him, you know what I mean? Everybody,
1: uh, well, we both got recruited by Syracuse, but I think for him, he, I think he picked the right school for him and where he was going to get playing time and everything. So I think it worked out for him.
0: To, and I want to ask you both this. I want to go back to you, Dale, and, and then to Daywan. To play in front of the hometown, there is the positive of that. That's, I mean, a hometown or home area for you is home area. Utica not too far away. To be in front of familiar faces, obviously a lot of them can come to the games. They can see you as often as they want to. You have family and friends supporting you in the community, but there's also the other side of if you don't perform, or you know, if you're on the bench or whatever that may be, it's there's two sides to play in at home. There is that tremendous amount of pressure, but then there's also the reward of, of being in a community that's already supported you for so long. Thinking back on playing in front of a familiar crowd, what did it mean to you?
2: But to be a perfect answer, I've had better games on the road. Uh, yeah, I think it, uh, you know the home crowd is a great motivation uh, for all of us. And uh, you know, as, as far as uh, you know, playing and doing well, I, I think the crowd gets you into the game. And you know, people have to look at the game in a different aspect. It's not just about scoring points. There's you know, there's a lot of things that go on during a basketball game that you, know, you can be motivated to do well, uh, other than just putting the ball in the basket. Uh, you know, you rebound, you play defense. Uh, you know. You, You run the right plays, you set the right screens, and all those things are a factor in being successful. Uh, my biggest thing was, um, you know, I, I didn't trust a lot of uh, coaches from out of, out of New York State. So, you know, that's why I ended up going to Syracuse. Uh, you know, you get these guys with these Southern accents and these West Coast uh, lingo and stuff like that, you know. You don't feel too comfortable with that. So, uh, it was good for me to, you know, to be close to home. Uh, you know, family's right down the road. Uh, I've, I've known uh, the, you know, the coaching staff uh, at Syracuse, uh, you know, since I was a, a, a freshman in high school which made it a lot easier and uh, you know it's just uh, you know, the group of guys that I played with you know, we, were, we were just you know from day one it was just like one big family and you know everybody was treated equally and the fans and uh, you know the supporters uh, you know treated everybody the same way. And, and one on your side you know
0: from when Dale was playing to now being inside the Carrier Dome Thirty thousand people, multiple times. And, you know, this is this has become a normal. And for and, and the funny thing about it is, Syracuse plays Binghamton. There's nineteen thousand people. I go to Washington D.C. for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, and Barack Obama's in the house, and the sellout crowd is nineteen thousand one hundred twenty people. And I was like, that's that's a Binghamton game. You're used to those big crowds. You're used to the response of the crowd. What was it like for you to stay at home, be in Syracuse, and be in front of 30,000 people numerous times? It was great for me. uh, I had a lot of support and just playing against
1: Playing against uh, great teams and having a, a large crowd come out every night, I mean, it's no better feeling than, on top of that, when I did get hurt, I felt like I had a lot of support because I'm, I'm I'm home, I had a lot of family and friends that always was checking up on me and making sure I was good, if I needed anything, so I think, overall, it was, it was, a, it was a great experience.
0: One of your former teammates, Trevor Cooney, went through a lot of I call him, uh, quite notably, maybe the most love-hated player of all time. I think he heard more boos at home than he ever heard on the road, but he handled that as a professional, and he handled it so well. You hit ten three-pointers in a game, and the expectation is to do it every night. It was a long road for Trevor, but a road that brought him to the 2016 Final Four, and you got to experience that together. What was... What's your takeaways from Trevor and to see a man who one moment the fans were up with him, the next moment they were down, yet he seemed to handle it with a lot of professionalism?
1: Yeah, uh, playing with a uh, player like Trevor, uh, it was great to see him go through stuff like that because he always seemed to block block it out, you know what I mean? Uh, even if he missed a couple shots, he always come back to practice to work even harder. And uh, he never really let any, any of that, you know, uh, get in his way. And he always seemed to block it out. So, I mean, that's one thing I, I took from Trevor. Is he never blocked it. He, never, he, he always blocked it out. So.
2: Not to cut you off, Dan. Let me, let me just comment on that also because you know, everybody wants instant gratification. And the guy comes in and he does well and everything. And people expect that all the time. You know, it's not going to happen all the time because it's not a perfect world. Yeah. And you know we're in upstate New York, you know we're in a fair weather city. And, you know, we can't, you know, expect, you know, our fans to be, you know, 100% behind you all the way. You know, they're used to, you know, you're winning. They're used to a certain way. And, you know, just like the weather here, they're going to be fair weather fans. You know, if you're winning, they're all over you. If you're losing, you know, they're going to boo you. So, you know, the bottom line is, I think Trevor handled it very well. I think a lot of players handled it very well because, you know, the bottom line is that, you know, you do play for... The fans that are there paying the admission to watch you play. Well, you're basically playing for the university and your teammates. And you know, as long as you know deep down that you're giving 100%, uh, you know, the fans are entitled to their, uh, their opinion because they're paying their interest for you to, to watch you play. They're entitled to their opinion. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, we're here to play for university. We're here to play for each other. And as long as I can say that I gave 100%, then you know, their opinions don't really matter. Yeah, it's so. Uh so go off of that, you know. Day one, you go through that too.
0: In a, in a even though you're at home, you had those moments as well, you know. And and speak on blocking it out because with a different era, Dale, you're at Syracuse and there's no Twitter, there's no Instagram, there's no Facebook, there's no Snapchat, there's no YouTube, there's no this and that. Where if somebody likes what you did, day one. They can talk about it in real time. As soon as the game ends, you can look down at your cell phone and 90 people tag Daywan Coleman and 45 of them might be nice, 45 of them might not be. How did you handle that? And what was it like for you to go through that? Because in the world we live in today, a total stranger can send a message to you instantaneously
1: well, I believe, uh, you know, once the season starts, I, I feel like that's when social media, you should kind of relax on social media a lot because you're going to, you know, get the fans that might uh, want to talk about your performance in a good or bad way, but you never really want to, you know, feed into that because you still have to come back the next day and play, so. For me, the thing that helped me, I wasn't really too big on social media during the
0: season. During the off season, yeah, I enjoyed it. But during the season, it's strictly business. Did you have that Tyler Lydon approach where I know that right as he was going into practice in the summer, it was like, all right, bye Twitter. I'll talk to you in April. Mm Kind of like that. So how much does, and like you said, you try and shut it off, but in the world that that you're in today and that these guys are in today when we're speaking at Howard Washington Junior, Rahama Sidabe, Pascal Chukwu, to O'Shea Brissett, to Mark Dolajog, to Geno Thorpe, Frank Howard, Tyus Battle, all the guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're dealing with the fact that there's been some really nice stuff said about him. I mean, O'Shea brissett has gotta be happy because people have already fallen in love with him. Yeah. But with Frank Howard, you know, he's heard everything under the sun. Tyus, you know, there's, there's all the positive, but if he goes to the NBA, then there's, there's automatically some anger and whatnot. So, I mean, what can you say to these guys that are going through what you went through? What would be your advice to them to go along with, hey, just kind of shut it up? If they do see it, what is your advice and reaction to it?
1: Uh, definitely, if you know, if they get you know any type of good advice from like social media, it's nice. But then again, you, you never really want to be too too much on social media. You know what I mean? It's you gotta you gotta handle situations in real life. So I just feel like if you if you give it 110 percent every every time you step on the floor, you know it, it really don't matter what other people think. You know what I mean? As mm-hmm. long as you know it. Inside that you gave a
0: hundred percent, I think you'll be fine. One hundred percent coming from both these gentlemen, one hundred and ten percent. Like Dale said, I didn't want to sit on the bench, so I gave all the percentage I could and day one. In the same respects and the adversity that you went through to come back the way that you did is something to commend for sure. Myself, Dan Satora, with Day One Coleman, Dale Shackelford, inside of the Wildcat Sports Club. This is a Syracuse basketball special. We will take a step aside for a few minutes, and we will come back with the gentlemen to discuss the team this season and their thoughts moving forward. Then we're going to do something later on in the show called Rapid Fire, where I'm going to ask both of these guys questions that have nothing to do with basketball to get to know them a little bit better, put them on the spot, and then, just to be a good sport, I will let you do that to me as well. So please be gen- please be very gentle with that gentlemen. Please be please be kind, and we'll talk about it in just a couple minutes. Daywan Coleman, Dale Schaefer, appreciate having you both here. Uh, if we played on the court right now, I know I'd have the height advantage, but I appreciate you both being here. Thanks so much. This is a wake up call. Fast break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on thirty six eighty Milton Avenue. 315- for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. We're back here. Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora live on location. Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York. Big shout out and big thanks to Roosevelt Bowie Jr. for being in the house today. Rosie is no stranger to Wake Up Call as well. We look forward to talking with him soon and obviously a huge part of the history of Syracuse basketball. We are here in this part of the show on location at the Wildcat with Dale Shackelford, Daywan Coleman, and myself, Dan Tortora, to discuss the team this year. I think that it is more than safe to say that there's a big question mark this year because there are four returning scholarship players, but Pascal Chukwu didn't play the majority of the season He is now playing with protective eyewear after eye surgery. Matthew Moyer redshirted last year. Tyus Battle did play and so did Frank Howard. Tyus will be a sophomore, Frank a junior and four incoming freshmen. Howard Washington Jr., Barama Sidibe, Mark Dolajog, and O'Shea Brissett, as well as grad transfer guard, combo guard, Gino Thorpe from South Florida and on the roster but will not play this season because of NCAA transfer rules, Eli Hughes from East Carolina will be practicing with the team. So a lot of question marks, and whenever you know there's other media reports and whatnot of what Syracuse is gonna be, I find it comical in years like this because there's no way of knowing. I mean, we could talk about individual talent, but when you talk about actual time on the court for Syracuse last year, there's two guys Frank Howard and Tyus Battle the top scorers of last season, Tyler Lydon is gone, Andrew White third is gone, John Gillen III is gone, and Torian Thompson. There's only one of five that's left in Tyus' battle. So, Day 1, I want to start with you in this respect because you've obviously been around these guys, and, and you know that there's, been, uh, there's going to be change this year. What do you think about the fact that Tyus, as a true sophomore, is the only real scorer coming back so you know there's there's pressure on his shoulders i know he handles it well but what can you say about the tyus battle factor
1: uh i think tires would be uh really big for us this year uh, he had a great summer i think he got a lot better he, he worked very hard this summer and i think uh he'll be uh very good so as long as he just don't feed into you know uh, just trying to do everything himself, I think he'd be fine. And, and Dale,
0: in the same respect, you know, you're watching this team very closely and you and I are doing our pregame game shows from season to season and, and our analysis of each game and each team and we're also very real about it is, you know, there's a lot of question marks like I said this year, but Tyus last year his shot seemed to improve. There were games where he took over. Where, you know, we know he can attack the basket. I think he has 60 steals as a true freshman, which puts him somewhere like third all time on Syracuse's list in career steals. So defensively, he has a lot of effort that's gone forward and is noticeable. And then offensively, we know he can shoot from almost anywhere. So, what's been your takeaway from Ty's battle?
2: Well, I think Ty's is a uh, very good player. But, you know, one thing I got to correct you on uh, they didn't start keeping track of steals until my junior year. So, I lost two years of steals. So, I, fair. I, I should be up there in that uh, category, too. I'm going to give you. A hundred and we'll you hundred and two. I appreciate it. I think that, uh, you know, this is an opportunity for the young guys and the new guys to come in and, uh, you know, show what they can do. Uh, you know, it's about, uh, you know, the guys gelling together. I think Tyus have to be more of a leader on the, on the team for these guys this year. And, uh, you know, these young guys coming in, you know, understand what, you know, coach wants them to do, understand what their strengths are as a team, and, and take advantage of all the opportunities they got. Because... Uh, there's an a open market for playing time. And, you know, to, you know, to play smart and to play hard. And, and who knows? You know, anything is possible. These guys gel together, they stay healthy, you know, they're capable of beating anybody. And uh, the thing with Frank Howard, and I just spoke with Frank Howard going into the
0: season, and, and Frank and I, this is year number four, that we have had conversations from him going into committing to Syracuse and all that to going into his junior year this year. He was number one. He's now number 23. And we had a conversation about new era, new chapter, new number. And I said, you know, is this, is this number a uh, significant change for you? And he said, yeah. He said, you know, I, I want to show people there's a new Frank Howard. And, you know, he said, I lacked confidence and I want to establish the fact that I have more confidence now. I also want to establish the fact that I'm more prepared. He said, as a freshman, I have to admit to myself that I wasn't as prepared to be thrown in. So, Frank is looking at a new chapter, new era. We've seen some good things. Day one's been on the other side of some pretty nice passes from Frank Howard when he's had those shining moments. So, Dale, I'm going to start with you. What can you say about the Frank Howard factor? And how he has really come out and said, I know where I've gone wrong, I'll admit it publicly, and I'm going to change it.
2: Well, it shows that he's matured. Uh, you know, in two years or four years, uh, the maturity factor is always uh, something great to have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for him to admit that, uh, you know, he wasn't ready. Um, but, you know, he, I I know that he gave 100% effort, and everybody's going to be a little nervous. Uh, you know, coach can make you nervous, uh, you know, talking to you and bringing you in and out of the ball game. So uh, those things have to, uh, you know, understand what coach is trying to say, understand what coach wants you to do, and just go out there and play your game and, you know, just play with confidence and, you know, give your best effort.
0: Anyone from being a former teammate of Frank Howard, what can you say about... The Frank Howard factor, what what comes to mind with Frank?
1: I think this year he had the opportunity, you know, to come out and lead the team of tires. Uh, I think he definitely matured a lot from his freshman year. He matured a lot from his freshman year. Uh, and He definitely had the opportunity, you know, to lead this young team. And I think it, was, it, was, it would be a, a, a good challenge for him and I think he would be fine.
0: Do you see growth from him? I mean, when John Gillen came in as a grad transfer and essentially took Frank's spot. Did you see evolution from Frank there when, when he had the keys taken away from him, so to speak? Did you see him want to drive the car more? Oh yeah,
1: definitely. I saw that over the summer. Uh, even though he was battling with uh, an injury and, and rehabbing all summer, but you could just tell he wanted it. Uh, this whole summer, he's been working hard, and I have nothing but respect. And I think he'd be good for sure.
0: What can you, you know, what was it about seeing him go through his injury? What can you say about the injury and and his
1: battle back? Oh, I think he did a good job, you know, uh, me battling injuries. I know what it takes. I know what he have to do. He have to put in the extra hours, being in the weight room, getting bigger, stronger, faster. And I think he did a good job, and he's ready to play this year.
0: Did you, on the team with Frank, did you have... Faith in him in those moments where he said he lacked confidence, were, were you confident in him? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think he, he, he played pretty good. Uh,
1: he had room to improve. Uh, he was always a good passer. But now that
0: he put the maturity with that, I think he'll be good. To look at the rest of the team, Pascal Chubu and you both, you know, being former big men for Syracuse. There was a big question mark last year, right? It was about, it was about health for you, Daywan. It, it was about, you know, who is Pascal? He sat out a season coming from Providence. What can he do? You, you can't teach the fact that he's got that seven-foot opportunity out there, but it's about what's that going to turn into. You know, what, is, it, is it Sam Mello-esque? Is it Craig Fourth, Billy Selick, Jeremy McNeil? Or is it a, a totally different dynamic with Pascal? And, and that 's I mean, I think you've got to you know form your own road, but we didn't get to see a lot of pascal we We had very few moments, and there was a tenacity I think as a seven footer I saw him move with agility that impressed me at times. I saw him get after it under the basket at times that was good to see. you know I think that there's a lot to gain offensively. I think that there was a lot to gain in, in how he rebounds the ball i think there's a lot to see on consistency with Pascal, but as far as showing some muscle at times, I think we did see that, and I think that we saw a center that isn't just seven foot tall, but can actually make something out of it. What did you take away, Dale, from, from the time, I know it
2: was a small window, but what did you see in Pascal? Well, I, I saw the ability that he's, you know, he's got room to learn, and think he's willing to learn, uh, I, I know that um, you know he wants to you know do the best he can and he, he tries hard. Um, because you're seven foot tall doesn't mean you're going to be a great player, and I think he understands that he has to work a little bit harder to you know become a good player, and you know he'll will take it from there. And I think the, the experience that he's had uh, sitting out a year and you know sitting out of you know basically two years. <laughs> Uh, to be you able know, to get himself into a shape and understanding a little more of the game. I think that's gonna help him a lot this year. And, uh, and
0: going off of what Dale said, one, I mean, you sat out two years. Pascal, like Dale said, pretty much two years that he's away from the game for the most part. You're interning with the team with strength and conditioning, you're watching these guys. What can you tell the people listening about Pascal going into this year with you know, with you know, with his protective goggles and getting comfortable with that, I spoke with him about it and finding comfort there. I spoke with Alan Griffin about it too. But what can you tell us about Pascal?
1: Uh, for me, sitting out two years, you know, I always wanted to you know, stay in the gym and be around my teammates. And I think he did a good job with that this year, well, the last two years. But being in the gym, working on his body, you know, uh, just trying to be better. He, he always wanted to put in the work. He, he worked hard every day and he, he wanted to be a good player. So I think that would take him a, a long way. What
0: advice, and I'll start with Day One, and, and then I'll, I'll go to Dale, here at Wake Up Call with Dan live on location of the Wildcats Sports Club. What advice, day one, do you give to Pascal Chuglu and Barama Sitabe?
1: The advice I would give them is just have fun. You know, don't really put too much pressure on yourself. You just go out there, have fun, do what you can do, and work hard. And I think everything else would uh, fall into place. If you could do that, them, them things, I think everything else would fall into place.
0: When Jim Bayheim takes him. Over to the side and has some words for him. What's your advice there? Just listen to him. He's your coach, so you
1: you, you definitely got to be coachable. Uh, what he's telling you, he's not really telling you not to hurt your feelings or anything. He might say it in a, in a, meaner way, whatever, however you want to put it. But he he got the right intentions to tell you the right thing to so you can improve on your game. So I think uh, just listen to coach. Don't really. Take
2: it
0: too personal. I think he'd be fine. And Dale, and to go in the same respects, two-parter. First one. What's your advice to Pascal Chiguru and Barama Masetabay?
2: Well, oh, just take your time. You know, learn the game. You know, do what you can do. Don't try to do anything extra. Don't try to be a special player. Um, you know, I'm a, I, I always uh, revert back to uh, Clint Eastwood. A good man knows his limitations, and you know, once you understand that and you master those things that you can do well and other things that fall into place. What can you say to Barama and Pascal
0: when Jim Beheim says, why don't you come over here for a second, we've got to have a conversation?
2: You know, you have to listen. And you know the bottom line, he's telling you something that's going to make you a better player and help you make your teammates and your team a little bit better. And you know those things, uh, you know sometimes they're good words, sometimes they're harsh words, but you know they're all things that you know later on in the game or later or later on you might run into that situation where you remember what coach has said to you, and you know after he does chastise you and says something to you, you just walk away and you mumble under your breath so he doesn't hear you. <laughs> and uh, did you ever do that, one? Ever mumble? You can say it now.
1: No, no, I haven't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but have you for real? Or no. You did. You did a little once, twice. Maybe, maybe. Maybe <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. Okay. But I mean, it, it's it's like dad. You know, dad tells you, "Come over here, son. You got to fix this." So, you know, did did you feel? I mean, you felt that tough love, but you have those moments as a kid where you're like, you, "Whatever, dad, I." I got this, and then you also have those moments where, you know, you got to kind of look back at it. And like you said, he's trying to make me better. Is is what you expect?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh,
0: maybe, uh, like in the heat of things, like during
1: the, during a game, you might take offense to it. But later on, like after the game, after you watch film, you can, you you say to yourself, okay, I see what he was saying. He might have said it in a mean way, but you kind of understand after watching film and everything. You understand what he's what he's trying to tell you, so that's what you, you really got to just focus on what he what he's trying to tell you. Uh, block everything
0: Freshman, you know, Dale. Back when you were playing, you there was the freshman opportunity, and then you moved on to play with the team. Day one for yourself. I mean, it's it's a different world now. Freshman's right there with everybody. There's no separation of that. So. Advice to the freshman coming in and the thoughts on the freshman coming in because is you know Howard Washington Jr. O'Shea Brissett Barama Sitabe, Mark Dolzhag Mark's coming from Slovakia and you have you know him playing with U eighteen and whatnot, you have Barama Sitabe who has come to America through his journey and learned in the northeast and is now moving forward, and then you have Howard Washington Jr. And O'Shea Brissett, who are teammates coming from the Athlete Institute in Canada. So it's, it's a little bit of everything this year, a little bit of a mixed bag. What can you say about the freshman class, Dale, and maybe some advice you would have for them?
2: Well, basketball is the same all over the world, so, you know, the bottom line is, uh, you know, understanding the game and, and be able to mess your games with the other players that you have there. Uh, there's no difference in basketball in Slovakia, Canada, Africa, wherever, you know, it's all the same. It's just, uh, you know, the competition is different, uh, the speed may be a little different, and the strategies are different, but the games is all the same.
0: Daylon, what can you say? I mean, you've seen these guys in practice. You've seen what they've been trying to do over the summer. What can you tell us about the freshman class coming in? I think this
1: freshman class is uh, very good. You know, they've been in the the gym this whole summer working on their game. Like they said, basketball is the same everywhere. It might be a little faster, faster speed here in the college, but as long as they work on their game every day, I think they should be fine. You
0: have been with teammates such as grad transfer, well not a grad transfer, but a, a transfer in Mike Beniger, who came in from Duke and then got to play a couple seasons at Syracuse. Grad transfer John Gillen the third. Grad transfer Andrew White the third. You've experienced the transfers coming into Syracuse to be your teammates and you've experienced grad transfers in the here and now. So what can you say about Geno Thorpe coming in and being a grad transfer? I mean it's it's something that's not just a grad transfer, but transferring more so now than ever is is rampant in college sports. So what can you say about welcoming in yet another transfer in this situation? Uh, I think Gino uh, will be fine this year.
1: You know he he had a good career at South uh, Florida, and I think he just needs to play his game. You know work on it, work on what coach need him to do. Uh, he he definitely fit into this fit into this year's team very good, and I think. As long as he continue to keep going where he's going, playing defense, uh, being involved our offense, getting, getting the team going, being the older guy on the team, I think he should be fine.
0: And Dale, for you, I'm sure the world of transferring is probably insane. You, know, you look back to when you played at Syracuse, you played at Syracuse and you committed to Syracuse, you signed with Syracuse, you were at Syracuse for you know, good, bad, indifferent, whatever it may be, you're there. Where nowadays, there are players that have played, I mean, Andrew White third played in Kansas, Nebraska, Syracuse. At the end of it all, he said, I, I finally found home in Syracuse. I, I wish I had stayed here the whole time. But, you know, John Gillen did the same thing. It's not just transferring, it's multiple places, it's playing somewhere, and then when you have that graduate year to go and play elsewhere. What can you say about the... Transferring epidemic, so to speak, to this college basketball right now is players try and find a place that feels right.
2: Well, it's tough to say because, as you said, you know I, uh, you know, didn't have that type of experience when I played. I mean, we did have uh, two transfers: uh, Billy Drew transferred from the University of Notre Dame, and uh, Mark Hubert transferred from the University of Vermont. But uh, you know, those guys were both other classmen. You know, sat a year and they came to play. Uh, as far as uh, grad transfers are concerned, if you got that another another year of eligibility, and the opportunity is there. You got to take advantage of it. It's like you know, going from uh, you know college for one year, going to the NBA. If the opportunity is there. You got to take advantage of
0: it. To look at this year's team in, in the ACC preseason polls of order of finish, I, I was telling you guys before the show that I put my voting out there, and, and I make you, not everybody has to make it public. There's, I think, 700 people that voted. Now, back in 2016, I voted for Syracuse to be at the top of the ACC. He went to the Final Four. So I like to say I know what I'm doing because 770 people disagree with me that day. So, and I think Jim Boeheim disagreed with me on that year's team for 2016. And I, I don't think he said, well, he didn't say Final Four or anything like that. So, to see... <laughs> kind of the climate and like you said there's a lot of question marks this year and and to answer those question marks in my ACC order of finish Duke is number one for this year 2017-18 Duke North Carolina Notre Dame Louisville Miami Virginia Tech Virginia Syracuse I have Syracuse right in the middle at at eight you know I'd like to think that the, the part of being in the middle or voted in the middle will Light a fire under the butts of Syracuse. The majority of the media said 10th, so that's where they ended up. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think that Syracuse is there, but it's a question mark season inside of the ACC. I think it's good enough for them to be in the upper half and, and make a way into the NCAA tournament, but what can you say, Daywan, about a year where there's a lot of I don't know? I don't know if Geno Thorpe is going to respond like John Gillen and Andrew White the third did. We don't know how the freshmen are going to play. We don't know if Frank Howard, Howard Washington Jr., and Geno Thorpe are all going to be point guards or if that's going to figure itself out really quick. So what can you say about this year? I think uh, the rankings, uh, what, what was it, 10th? They were ranked, yeah, I had them at 8th, and the majority of the media said 10th out of fifteen. Well, I think this year, you know, um, then ranked that low. I
1: mean, you don't kind of want that because a lot of people not really expecting for you to be that good. So you can come out, play, play very good, and change every you know change everybody mindset and be the underdog. You know, what I mean that's what you kind of want. So I think uh, it's it would be a long season, but you just got to you just got to take it every day, take it game by game. And I think they would be they be, be fine.
0: Yeah, what do you think about it? You know, you, you know where I got them. You know where America has them. What can you say about the season of question marks? I mean, last year it was Tyler Lydon, the returning starter, and then you know splitting time between yourself, Dayone, and, and Pascal. You know, outside of outside of you being there and Tyler being there, John was new, Andrew was new, Tyus was new. There's a lot of newness on there, and Frank and, and where he fit into everything. So there was new on last year's team without Mike and without Trevor Cooney without Malachi Richardson there's even more newness this year in stating the obvious that let's say Frank and Tyus start that means that there's going to be three new faces and I'm counting Pascal as a new face that would be out there potentially for Syracuse so Dale what can you say about a year
2: that has probably a lot more question marks than last year well, I think uh, every year there's a lot of question marks because you don't you don't know the mentality of the players that are going to come back. Uh, you don't know what the health situation is going to be. Uh, you know, any given day, you know, everybody's not going to be 100%. So, you know, anything can happen. As far as the rankings are concerned, um, you know, those things are, are irrelevant right now because nobody's played a game. Uh, you know, you start worried about the rankings. You know, when you get down to January, February, and then you want to get into the you know you want to get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, you want to get in your conference uh, uh, tournament. And, you know, getting to the finals, or whatever. Right. But um, you know, every team has question marks. Every team is not sure. I mean, you know, we can put a hundred names on a piece of paper and say whatever we want to say, but it doesn't mean it's going to be right. Right. So you know, until those players go out there and play and prove and show what they can do, then uh, you know, we can start making comments and decide on you know what we think and how they look and uh, you know what they're going to do the rest of the season. that coming from Dale
0: Shackleford as well as Dayon Coleman, myself, Dan Tortora. Triple D, wake up call with tour at the Wildcat Sports Club. We will take a step aside live on location here at the Wildcat and 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York. When we come back, it is time for rapid fire. I will put both of these gentlemen on the hot seat and ask them questions that have nothing to do with the sport of basketball. And then in good sportsmanship, I will turn. I will turn the opportunity on myself, I guess. And I'll throw it to both of you. So think of your questions and make them good. We'll be back here in just a couple minutes. This is a wake up call fast break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base four eight seven two 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 for the wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant welcome back here to wake up call with dan Tortora live on location at the wildcat sports pub inside of 3680 milton avenue camillus new york in the home depot plaza Happy to be here. I want to thank Danny and Heather Tome and the entire team at the Wildcat Sports Pub for what they do weekly. We have fantasy football here, the four Wake Up Call fantasy football leagues. We've done plenty of shows here with West Genesee football. Lawrence Mullen's been here, and we're here today with Dale Shackelford and Daywan Coleman. This is the part of the show that has nothing to do with basketball, but it's plenty of fun for me to do. I instituted it a few years back on the broadcast, and I'm happy to bring it to both of you. So. Dale and I, we've done shows for a couple of years now, but I've never put you on the hot seat in this respect. So we're gonna have some fun with this, Dale. I know, Dale. I mean, I, Dale and I know each other well. Day one, I'd like to think you and I know each other pretty well. So I'm gonna need a number 32 jersey for the house, though. All right. You know, I think I think that you know, if I said to Kate, I'm gonna hang a jersey up, she'd be like, what number? I'd be like, like 32. Right, that's fine. That's good. So we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to make that happen. So. Do you get to take all your jerseys home? Mm-hmm. You do. Yeah. Do you have one that you don't like that much? That yeah. you part with? I'm gonna go for it. All right, cool. I like that. I like that. That's very good. See, I like the I like your jersey. Now the the cursive with the stripes down the side. That was a nice. That was a really nice jersey. Oh, they didn't let us keep those though. Oh uh, yeah, and that's that's tough, man. I, I would like see. Listen, if I if I worked in the equipment, I'd be taking stuff all the time. If I was an equipment manager, you wouldn't. Nobody would have any jerseys left. <laughs> so, rapid fire. I'm gonna start things off. I'm gonna start with you, Day One. Favorite movie of all time. Through the fire. What is it? Through the fire. Through the fire. Yeah, with Sebastian Telfair. With Sebastian Telfair, favorite movie of all time. Dale, same question. One floor to Cooper's nest. One floor the Cooper's nest. Fair enough. I like it. Favorite actor of all time?
2: We'll go to Dale first. I'm a diehard Clint Eastwood fan. Clint Eastwood. Okay. Day one. All time.
1: Denzel Washington.
2: Denzel
0: Washington. If anybody could play Dayone Coleman in a movie about your life, who would it be? I'm
1: gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Denzel Washington.
0: You gonna go with Denzel Washington? Alright, fair enough. Dale Shackleford. somebody's gonna play Dale in the movie. Who's it gonna
2: be? Well, unfortunately it probably be Bill Cosby. <laughs> 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 oh
0: man. It's just it's it's sad though, because you know, I grew up didn't we all I mean I grew up with Bill Cosby and he was like the man. And now it's just not like that anymore. It's so it's sad. You watch the Cosby show? Did you watch it, yeah. You did right. Yeah, you watched it, right? Of course. It's just—it's sad. It's not the same. It's very, very sad. So Bill Cosby would play you. If, if, if Bill was unable to play you because of alleged circumstances, who would play you?
2: That's a tough one because uh, I really don't watch too many movies, so I've, I'm not a lot of actors out there. So um, that's that's, that's, a, that's a tough one. Trying to figure out who 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 yeah. would
0: I put in Dale Shackleford's life? It's a tough one to answer.
2: <laughs> probably, probably would have to be uh, Eddie Murphy.
0: Eddie Murphy. Okay, I like Eddie for Murphy. Me,
2: for me, it'd
1: probably be uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock.
0: You Dwayne, Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson. The Rock. Yeah. You like that? Okay. If if you could only listen to one song and one song only of any time period, Day One, and It was what you had to listen to before every single game. You couldn't listen to any other song. It had to be that one song. What would be the song you'd listen to? Uh, Girls Just Wanna Have Fun, Mm (laughs) none of that. Those have never been voted on. I will tell you that I've had a football player tell me it's Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus? Yeah, I won't
1: tell you who it is. I would have to go with maybe Jay-Z. Jay-Z, what song?
0: There's a lot. Mm. New York, no.
1: Maybe Renegade. Renegade, okay.
0: You know that, Dale? I know Dale likes all types of music, but Dale always tells me now that the radio doesn't do it
2: for you right now, does it? No, but I. my my favorite song is uh, Warren Zevon, "Werewolves in London." What is it? "Werewolves in London." Werewolves in London. Okay.
0: So that would be the one for Dale. If you. If you played for any other team that wasn't named Syracuse, if you had gone somewhere else, what was your second choice, Dale? It would never happen. Never happen? It would never happen. Day one, you had three hats in front of you. You had Kentucky, you had Ohio State, you had Syracuse. Could you have seen yourself anywhere else? Actually,
1: no. I actually, uh, I think I made up my mind and, and I think
0: the two grade.
1: Tenth grade. Yeah, I just never told anybody. So, it never told I, knew I was going to go to church.
0: Bring me now. Now bring me into that really quick because I've never gotten to do this. You know, I've never gotten a, We need to do that. We need to like turn the script here. I need to have a bunch of hats in front of me one day. Mm-hmm. Can we make that happen? You guys can interview me, ask me all the questions about where I'm going and whatnot. But I never had the experience of having the, the three hats or the four hats or the two hats in front of me. And pick one. You said you knew in the tenth grade. How fun was it to mess with everybody? Was it like a magic trick for you to bring all those hats out? No, it was just
1: the top. My top three schools. Uh, everybody thought I was going to go to Syracuse in yeah. the beginning stage of, the, of my, my recruitment. So a lot of the teams never really recruited me. So I, yeah. I kind of opened up my recruit my recruitment back in my like junior year, but. I feel like Syracuse was the team that recruited me the whole you know, the whole way through, so it was Syracuse.
0: Okay. If you could do any profession in the world, Dale, what would it be? Right now. You could pick anything to do in the world, what would it be? I'd
2: uh, probably be a lawyer. Be a lawyer.
0: Okay. That'd be good. I need a good lawyer for wake of call, that'd be nice. My father's a lawyer, so that kind of helps out too. Day, or day one, what would you do? What would you,
1: Any profession.
0: Any, any profession right now. Sky's the limit. You're coming out of college. You could do anything. What would it be? Uh, maybe a doctor. Doctor? Yeah. Favorite TV show currently, and I know, Dale, you got to reach for this one. Favorite TV show currently on television, day one? Currently? Currently on TV. It could be on Netflix, Hulu. When I say TV now, I, I mean like a hundred different things because of the world we live in. Shark Tank. Shark Tank. Okay. Yeah. We were talking about that at lunch today, so it's ironic. Dale,
2: favorite currents? Well, I'm a so, food buff, so I, you know, I watch the Food Network. So anything I thought you told me the, that. You watch
0: cartoons and the Food Network. Yeah, cartoons in Food Network. That's I love it. it. <laughs> I, was no like, Dale, what, I was like, Dale, did you see this tonight? He was like, no, man, I was watching cartoons in bed. I was like, <laughs> why are you my one of my favorite people in America? I mean, like seriously. I wanna be Dale Shackelford when I grow up and watch Sylvester and Tweety just hanging out in bed.
2: Sylvester and Tweety, Family Guy.
0: Oh, you like Family Guy uh, too, okay. All right, so we got a current show going on. Favorite show on television of all time, Dale? Favorite of all
2: time, oh, that's a, that's a tough one. Of all time. Uh, I didn't watch a lot of TV, so. Um, I gotta stick with my Food Network. Who oh, no. knows? before that Okay. <laughs>
0: Day one, favorite TV show of all time. All the time, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Fresh Prince of Bel- Somehow I knew that with you, Day One. I feel like I know your personality better than you think I do. <laughs> if we if we took a test somewhere, I think I'd, I think I'd peg it pretty good. I I know Day One Coleman well. There should be a, there should be a show like we should go on some game show. Game show. How well do we know each? Well, we'll see. We'll see how well you know me after this. But Fresh Prince, he's one of my favorites of all time. Favorite, well you said Jay-Z for song, but favorite rapper of all time, Day One? Favorite rapper of all the time? All time. Remember, there's the, there's the Founding Fathers of rap, too. I would have to say Biggie. Biggie? Okay. Dale? <laughs> N- never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> never heard of rap music. Never heard of a rap. <laughs> if, okay, this is a three-part question, and I'm gonna start with Dale. We can go anywhere in the world... You have to pick your destination on vacation. So where would you go on vacation? You could take one person you know. Remember, we've been friends for a while. You could take one person that you know and one celebrity. Where do you go, who do you take that you know, and what celebrity do you take?
2: I go to Chile. Okay, have you been to Chile? I've been to Chile. You've been to Chile, okay. I love Chile. I like that. Um, there's none of my uh, exes are here or anything like that, so I'd probably take Maureen with me. Okay. And if I had my choice of uh, a celebrity, I'd take Clint Eastwood. Take Clint Eastwood. All right, I like it. See, I uh, you
0: can say that there's none of your exes here, but I'm a broadcaster, and and I got asked by two of my exes at different times who didn't know each other. Same thing. They said, if you ever do stand up. If you ever go out there and you stand on a stage, can you promise me that you will never talk about what I did toward you in this relationship? And I said, the whole reason why I put up with it is so I could use it for material someday. Absolutely, I want to talk about it. But I said, they said, will you not use my name? And I said, I won't. Well, I kind of did a couple months ago, but you know what? That's why we got X's day one. Same question for you. Where would you go? Who do you take? Celebrity and who do you take that you know? Is the celebrity dead or alive? Could be dead or alive.
1: Could be dead or alive. I would go to the Bahamas. The Bahamas, We've been there. And I will have to see my girlfriend. I have to take her because she probably listening. Okay. <laughs> Good reason.
0: Celebrity. Chris Farley. Chris Farley. Yeah. All right. So I was gonna go there next. Favorite comedian of all time, is it Chris Farley?
1: Yes, Chris Farley. It's Chris
0: Farley? You have a favorite Chris Farley movie? Black Sheep, Tommy Boy.
1: I would say I would
0: say Tommy Boy,
1: but I Kay. like a lot of his stand-up. Like a stand-up? Yeah, like fat guy in a little coat. Yeah,
0: SNL, everything. all of it. Dale, favorite comedian of all time? Uh, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. Okay, I respect that. I can't believe Richard Pryor was in Superman 3. It's so shocking to me. There's a picture of like, Richard Pryor being held by Superman. It's crazy. Before I turn this upon myself, I will ask if there was a speech bubble above you, Dale, everywhere you went, what would it say? If there was a walking, like flashing sign above your head, what would it say? It would say uh,
2: the hard worker and enjoying life. Hard worker and enjoying life. I like it. Day one, what would it say for you? Yeah, what would your
0: fluorescent speech bubble say? Uh, it's not Duan. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <say> uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite quote? Yeah. Go
0: hard to go home. Go hard to go home, okay. Fair enough. And my final question for both of you gentlemen. Is day one. If you could, if you could change one thing about this world, right in this moment, if you and and I'm telling you, you have the power to do it. You have the power to do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. What's the one thing you would change? Number one. There's a lot, in my opinion. What would you change? Starvation. Starvation.
2: Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're on the same length. I'd, I'd say poverty. Poverty. Right. Fair enough.
0: You two are off the hot seat. I will now turn the hot seat upon myself. Day one, give me your first question. What do you got for me? can be anything, please be gentle. <laughs> Favorite actor. Favorite actor. Oh, gosh. Will Smith
2: or Robert De Niro? Go ahead, Bill. If you could be any sports personality, who would you be?
0: That could be any other sports personality. Oh, boy. Uh, Bob Costas or Colin Coward? I like them both. Go ahead, David.
1: Your favorite place to eat in Syracuse. Favorite
0: place to eat in Syracuse. Well, and this is not a political statement. I love it here. I really do. No, because the wings here and the house house flavor is awesome. And they have boneless wings here, and I like those. So I'm going to give a shout-out to the Wildcat. But my favorite place to eat in Syracuse, does it have to still be existing or no? Can it be in the past? Nope. Can it be in the past? I loved Malarkey's, which then became Hooters, which then became Koto in the mall. Malarkey's was an awesome place to go to, so I'd say Malarkey's.
2: What do you got for me, Dale? How would you cover the story with Rick Patino? Just sum it up in a couple words. (laughs) I'm not
0: surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Day one, what do you have for? Uh, And I've interviewed Rick a bunch of times and I'd probably say it to his face too. uh, Celebrity crush. Celebrity crush. See, day one knows I got a wife. I don't like this man. Jennifer (laughs) Aniston. Let's move on. Let's go on with that. Jennifer Aniston. Kate, my wife Kate would say Jennifer Aniston. But, you know, before, listen, before we met each other, see, I, I kind of spilled the beans on the Jennifer Aniston thing, but Tyra Banks was the poster that I had in my, that was my, you know, poster in my room way back was Tyra Banks. So
2: I got to shout out Tyra too. Go ahead, Dale. All right, uh, toss up. Other <laughs> uh, than Syracuse, yeah. what would be your favorite team to cover? Uh, College. I cover a lot of them
0: cover the American Athletic and the ACC, and there's almost 30 teams within that, so mm. this is tough. I love covering Syracuse, uh, favorite team to cover, I'm going to pick one that I, that I haven't covered a lot, I covered once with, with PK, uh, Przemek Karnowski, so I would say Gonzaga. I, lo- I really, I mean, I, I've been a fan of Gonzaga for a long time. I, I love the fact that they made it to the championship game to shut a lot of people up, but I really wish that they won that championship. And I think if the refs weren't so ticky-tacky with the fouls, my big men, you understand. If, if they let you play like a big man plays, I don't think anybody was going to beat Gonzaga. So I think because they called 67 fouls, that changed the game. Go ahead, and, and obviously I'm, I'm embellishing a little, but it felt like 60. Go ahead, Dylan. If you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? If I could change one thing in the world, what would it be? I would. It's the one thing that's on my mind every day when I wake up in the morning. I would change the fact that people don't respect one another because of things you can't control. You know? You can't control how much money your parents make or where you came from or what language you speak or what nationality you are or what color it is of your skin. I have never seen color in 32 years of being alive. What upsets me the most in this world is that the three of us can sit here today, but there's some people that would say still in 2017 that we shouldn't be sitting together. And that's my biggest problem with society right now because it's something. I think it was a test from God. God made us all different shapes, sizes, colors, races, and all that. But he could have made us all the same to see how we would respond. Some of us don't care. Some of us have made it an issue. And it breaks my heart that in 2017, we still have to talk about it. Go ahead, Dale.
2: If uh, Dewan and myself didn't show up today, what would you think of us? (laughs) I
0: would say that your word is your bond. And if you don't have your word, you don't have anything, I would... I, I Dale I know where you live Day one I'd find out so but yeah I would say your word is your bond so if you guys didn't show up I would like to believe based on knowing you over the years that there was a good reason but also knowing you both I would think you would have called me and you I don't I don't think you would have not shown up so you know I just I don't see that go ahead day one what you got make sure
1: have you, you get to pick one profession yep. What would it be?
0: If I had to pick one profession besides what I'm doing right now, I would be an actor, I'd be a singer, or a comedian. I try to integrate comedian in the show a lot. And a lot of people that know me know that that's how I do my thing. And then nobody's safe. So my exes are never safe, as I discussed earlier. But that's fun. Listen, I have too many funny stories with my exes. I, I will go toe to toe with either one of you any day. And I, I guarantee you I'm going to have a story that did
2: not happen to you. Go ahead, Dale. I'm going to really put you on the spot right now. Okay, go ahead. You're picking your basketball team. Okay. And there's only two guys left, DeWine and myself. Which one of us will you pick first? Which one would I pick first? Uh, out of the two of us. Out of the two of you, who would I pick first? Damn. <laughs> That's
0: an unfair question, Dale. That's not right. Okay, so I'm picking my team right now. You're in the hot seat. Daywan. You, know lo- you know I love you, right? You know that. You know that for real, right? Okay. Dale played five positions, so I got to pick Dale first. I'd have to pick you, Dale, because you played all over the court. You know, but then, but then I would be like, can I get an extra pick and pick up my man, Day one? So I, I'd try to find a way to get you both, but Dale, you, you were You were versatile. And, you know, versatility, that's good stuff right now. So I would, I would go to that, but it's hard to say no to this, this man over here. All right, I'm going to give you two more left since you've not been gentle at all. Day one, <laughs> second to last one that you got. What do you got for me? If you get to cover any NBA team. Which team will it be? Any NBA team? Very easy. Toronto Raptors. Without question. I have been a fan since 95 when they came in and I hope for the day that they take down the mighty Cleveland Cavaliers, because it's getting old. It's getting old, aren't you a Cleveland fan? Don't you like Cleveland? Yeah, I like Cleveland. Yeah, you like Cleveland, I know that. I told you, if you and I played a pair game, we would have all the points in the world, because I know that, so go ahead, Dale, what do you got?
2: If you could be a fly on the wall in Coach Beheim's house, which room would you be in other than the bedroom? (laughs) (laughs) If I could be a fly on
0: the wall in Coach Beheim's house, and I wasn't in the bedroom, where would I be? Jeez, Coach B's house It's tough. I would, you know what, I'd probably be in the family room with him because I want to know what he was watching. I want to know what he liked to watch. So when he's not doing film and all that stuff, I want to... And See, I know Coach B has a sense of humor, and I know that there's another side to Coach Beheim that I feel privileged to have seen. I think a lot of people don't see, so I'd like to laugh with him a little bit. I'd like to probably watch whoever his favorite comedian is. All right, Day One, what's your last one for me? All right, uh, it. Make it good. I've already asked him about my wife or who I would marry. Can we go to him? I'm
1: going
2: to All right, you're going you're to come up with it. Dale, what do you got? All uh, right, you just inherited, let's say, a $100,000. Okay. You can take either Day One or Scoop Jardine on vacation with you. Who would you take? I'd take Day One, without <laughs> doubt.
0: Okay, I like Scoop. I had some fun covering Scoop and whatnot. But I'd take this man because, what, five years ago we started talking? Yeah. Like five years ago? Yeah, I would take Day One hands down because this is how I look at it too wherever we went on vacation, I would make sure that we were in all these public places where Day One could lift me up to dunk. Because unlike Kevin Hart, who doesn't want to be lifted up, he's shorter than I am, he's 5'2", but he doesn't like to be lifted up. I, see, listen, I'm comfortable in my manhood and who I am. Lift me up in front of everybody and, and let me dunk. Okay, we go wherever we go, let's, let's let them know what it's about. All right, Day One, final question, what do you got for me? Do you think college athletes should be paid? Do I think college athletes should be paid? Let me let me ask you this question. You get a stipend, right? Yeah. Okay. Can you say what it was? Can you say on here what you got? What'd you get?
1: A couple hundred. Couple hundred? A
0: couple hundred a month. Can you have a job? No. During the season you can't. Can you have a summer job? Summer job. You can have a summer job. Okay. So So this is this is is, it's not a simple yes or no for me because I feel for the student athlete. So this is how I'm going to twist it. You have a full-time job of being a a student, right? And you have a full-time job of being an athlete. Okay. I like the amateur status of it all, but the NCAA makes an ungodly amount of money off of you. Okay. And there's things about the NCAA that need to be investigated. And, I've asked, and I, I hope to God that when the FBI is done with each school, that the FBI says to the NCAA, did you miss this or did you quote unquote miss this? Because the, you, we know, the NCAA, there's a lot with the NCAA. So knowing that you get a couple hundred dollars a month, that's good, but having a full-time job to go to school and a full-time job to play basketball, and you play in what I consider one of the top 10 programs of all time, if not top five, Because of longevity and success in longevity, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to do it like this. I'm not going to hand you a check and take away your amateur status. But when the NCAA comes out with a basketball game and your likeness, I'm paying you for that. When the NCAA sell when Syracuse sells a 32 jersey, I'm paying you for that. When they sell a 33, I'm paying you for that. If there's your likeness out there and they do that, I think that athletes shouldn't be just given a check but I think that you should be covered in some way, shape, or form because the NCAA is making money off your backs every day and you're not seeing anything for it. Now, let's you take five dollars from somebody and Syracuse is on probation. So there's something wrong with that and there's something wrong with the fact that if Dale was playing today or One was still playing, if I went as a friend of yours and we came to the Wildcat and I bought you a sandwich, I am considered in violation of NCAA rules. So the NCAA's book is so big that when people tell you you can break it without knowing, that's no BS. So I, do, I think you deserve some of the piece of the pie. I'm going to say it to you like that. Is that fair to say? Sure. Let them share some of that money with you. This has been Daywan Coleman, Dale Shackleford, myself, Dan Satora, here at the Wildcat Sports Club. You have all been great. We appreciate it, and you can listen in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and I thank you both for everything that you've done. Day One's working with the team interning this year, and Dale and I are going to be pre-gaming all throughout the season. Thank you, gentlemen. We appreciate it very much,
2: So, Thank, thank you. That was my pleasure. Yeah. Thank
0: and you. thank you to Danny and Heather Tell and the whole team here as well. We appreciate it. Thank, make sure you take care of your bartender. You're welcome, have a good night.